everybody. Hope you're doing good tonight. You know, talk, start off right away with the, uh, the story that's going on uh, that everybody has, <laughs> for lack of a better term, been banned off of Twitter for. It's a it's a story that comes out of the New York Post. Um, it's all about Hunter Biden. And here's the thing: people may wonder, you know, why do you why do you even get into too much about Hunter Biden? Well, if they're going to impeach President Trump on, for a phone call to the Ukrainian president, um, then we ought to be looking at the Biden crime family for sure. And this is stuff here. Now, this, this is a quick list, and there's probably more than this. This article, when it was posted by the Trump campaign, the Trump campaign got blocked. It was posted by, this is from the New York Post, one of the most widely circulated newspapers in the country. So when Kaylee McEnany posted it, she got blocked. When Ted Cruz posted it, he got blocked and all by Twitter. So let's, we're going to read this first and then we're going to see the reactions to the tech tyrants from Congress, from Josh Hawley, from Ted Cruz. Here's the here's the basic premise of the argument. Um, this is from the New York Post. Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at the Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company according to emails obtained by the post. Now, before I go any further, most of you have seen this video, but it's the video of Joe Biden actually procuring the firing via extortion. But what it basically happened was there'd been an agreement between the United States government, Joe Biden, namely for there to be loan guarantees of up to a billion dollars. So, Joe Biden was over in Ukraine. It's kind of self-explanatory on the video, but Joe Biden goes over to the Ukraine and meets with, you know, the various government officials and says, you know what? The prosecutor looking into my son's company, which was Burisma of which Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma. There was a prosecutor by the name of Victor Shokin who was investigating that company. Well, just a little bit before this, less than a year before the elder Biden, who has always publicly claimed that Hunter Biden, so Joe Biden always publicly claims that all the business is done by Hunter Biden, all the business done by Hunter Biden is never discussed with him. Well, a year before that, according to the New York Post article, and this is all coming from a laptop computer that was turned in at a computer repair shop and never picked up. So that's where this information is coming from. The, the laptop repairman saw things that were on this computer that bothered him and he contacted the FBI. And then the New York Post got all the information also. So anyway, this is how it all started. So you have Hunter Biden introducing a top executive from Burisma to his father, and again, let me preface that by saying Joe Biden has been saying for years that he has never 
discussed his son's businesses at all with his son Hunter. He said, the only thing I ever said to him was, make sure you know what you're doing. That's all that ever happened. But now it comes out that Hunter actually introduced a top executive from Burisma to his father. Now let's look at what happened about a year after that. Play the first video for me. Yeah, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others to convincing that, that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours." If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. So his son's company, Burisma, of which he's on the board, of which he received about $3.5 million from, that's $3.5 million went to Hunter Biden's firm, Rosemont Seneca. And Hunter Biden received, depending on which report you believe, 50 to 83, minimum of 50, most $83,000 a month to sit on the board. And it's still unknown whether or not Hunter actually even ever went to Ukraine. He has no oil and gas experience. Burisma is exclusively a natural gas and oil company. He has absolutely no experience in that. He, he has no experience in Ukrainian cultures. It's unknown whether he's even ever stepped foot in the country. He does not speak Ukrainian, nothing. So he has absolutely no business there. But lo and behold, there's a federal investigation, a Ukrainian federal investigation into the company that Hunter is receiving millions of dollars from and $80,000 a month. And lo and behold, daddy comes to the rescue and gets the prosecutor that's conducting the federal investigation fired. How did he get him fired? Again, the U.S. had six billion, had a billion dollars in loan guarantees ready for Ukraine. What Joe Biden said, if you don't fire this prosecutor, then you don't get the money. And lo and behold, SOB says that he gets fired. So the next video is, you have, I'm just setting up, some of you have seen this stuff, some of you haven't. We need to know how deep the swamp is, because it's deep. It's very deep. You need to know the level of corruption. Really, it's just the Biden crime family, just like it's the Clinton crime family. So the next video is mainly just an audio tape, but it surfaced, first surfaced sometime late last year or early this year. And this is Joe Biden in a conversation with, at, at the time, the president of Ukraine named Petro Poroshenko. And that is the guy who he, who Biden manipulated, if you want to call it, uh, <laughs> looted, <laughs> whatever other term you could use, blackmailed, however it is. But he's the one that said, who he was talking to, who said, if you don't get the prosecutor looking into my son's, co my son's company fired, you're not getting the $6 billion. That's who this, that's who he's communicating with on this phone call. So 
Here's how that phone call went. Now, listen, you have to kind of listen close. The Petro Poroshenko, his is English is marginally broken up. But listen to this conversation. Yesterday, I met meet with the general prosecutor, Shokin. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially asked him to resign. In, uh, as a, his uh, position as a state person. And despite of the fact that he has a support in the power. And as a finish of my meeting with him, he promised me to give me the statement on, on resignation. And one hour ago, he bring me the written uh, statement of his resignation. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I agree. Now you bring it back to me. All right, so there you have it. What happened there was Biden said, get him fired or you're not getting the billion dollars. So, of course, Petro Poroshenko, the, the president of Ukraine, said, okay, I'll do it. And if you if you if you heard what was said there, he actually said, despite there being no reason, no allegations whatsoever of corruption, I basically made the guy resign. That's what actually happened. And that's what was caused by Biden being over there with his six hours. You know, you have I'm leaving in six hours and he's not fired. You're not getting the six billion dollars. Well, back to the meeting that occurred one year before all of this. Hunter Biden introducing his father, at the time, Vice President Joe Biden, to the top executive at the Ukrainian uh, oil and gas firm Burisma, of which all of this happened. Uh, he, he, got, he had the prosecutor looking into Burisma fired. The never before, this is from the New York Post article, the never before revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Vadam Bazarsky, an advisor to the board of Burisma, allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board at a reported salary of $50,000 a year. You can put that up. Here's that. Here's that uh, email. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet your father. Remember now, you can leave it up there. Remember now, Joe Biden has been saying for years, I have never discussed my son's business with him ever. So here you have the opportunity to meet your father and spent some time together. It's really, it, it's, rea it's reality. It's reality is what it says. It really is. It's the, his language is, his English is broken up. It really, I'm assuming means it really was an honor and a pleasure. An earlier email from May 2014, also shows Bazarski, reportedly Burisma's number three executive, asking Hunter for advice on how you could use your influence on the company's behalf. Look at this. I just, I wrote this one down, or I printed this one out. These are typical instruments to destabilize business. This is from Vadim Bazarski. 
the number three executive at Burisma. We urgently need your advice on how you could use your influence to convey message or signal to stop what we consider to be politically motivated actions uh, and bearing in mind the following. Burisma Holdings is a leader among private gas producers. Our primary client is Accelerator Mattel, Ukraine's business metal steel plant. We cover more. It just says a bunch about you know the business accolades. But look at it. specifically, I want everyone to make sure that you heard this part. We urgently need your advice on how you could use your influence to convey a message to stop what we consider to be a politically motivated, basically, attack. Onward with the New York Post. I know this is a little bit wonky, but you just have to know what is going on in the Biden family. This is for real. This is Joe Biden actively procuring funds for his son. You're like, okay, well, that this happened a couple. And listen, it, no matter what, I would want this investigated and or prosecuted. But if you're going to impeach President Trump for a phone call where he said, I'd like to know what's going on with the Biden family in Ukraine, that's basically what happened. I'd like you to look into it, is what he said to the current president of Ukraine. That's all that happened. And you have the whistleblower come out to Adam, go out and talk to Adam Schiff's own staff. And he, of course, was, you know, secluded the entire time, sequestered the entire time. Nobody knows allegedly who the whistleblower is, although we all kind of know already. But if the president's going to be impeached for a phone call, then how in the world is Vice President Trump, Vice President Biden, former Vice President Biden, able to waltz around with all this? This just broke out of the New York Post. And you had numerous conservative pundits and not only that, but the press secretary for the White House and the Trump campaign themselves blocked on YouTube. I mean, blocked on Twitter for put, just putting out this article from the New York Post. Back to the New York Post article, the blockbuster correspondence, which flies in the face of Joe Biden's claims that he never spoke that, quote, I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings is contained in a massive trove of data recovered from a laptop computer. Look at how Biden reacts. Whenever somebody asks him about his son's overseas dealings, look at this exchange between Biden and Steve Ducey from Fox News. Here's the great Peter Ducey from Fox, who does actually asks questions. He, he does actual journalism. Shocker. Here's Peter Ducey in 2019. That's last year for the liberals listening. Asking about this Burisma deal. Listen to the beginning because it pops quick. And watch Biden get mad again when asked about his son's shady dealings we now know about. And say, I've never spoken to my son about this stuff he does overseas. Check this out. I've never spoken to my son about overseas. And so how do you know? Here's, how do you know? here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader, if that's what happened? That appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the presidency to try to do something to smear me. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. 
Ask the so, right question. Go, you bring it back to me. So Joe Biden gets to determine to the media which questions they ask. Typical Democrat. And also, he says everybody's looked at it. Who is everybody exactly? The liberal mainstream media and said there's nothing to it. Oh, CNN says there's nothing to it. So I guess all investigations should stop. Here's just some background on that computer that was dropped off. The computer was dropped off at a repair shop in Biden's home state of Delaware in April of 2019. And by the way, the FBI has known about this since then and what's gone on about it. What's happened? I mean, what kind of investigation has been done? You have a son of the current, at the time, vice president, on the board of a company that he has no expertise in whatsoever, got the job. What, what, was vice, what was Vice President Biden to Ukraine? He was the Obama's representative, the attache to the Ukraine, Ukraine from the Obama administration. Lo and behold, Hunter gets a job paying him $80,000 a month, $3.5 million to his company, Rosemont Seneca. They start getting investigated by Victor Shokin, his, his father, Vice President Joe Biden, tells the current president of Ukraine, if you don't get this prosecutor fired, you're not getting this, the billion dollars that we've given you in loan guarantees. And, and the FBI doesn't think there's anything to this. Not surprising, considering that the FBI found out that Hillary Clinton had put together a scheme to falsely accuse Donald Trump using her using Christopher Steele, using Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, which hired uh, Christopher Steele, put together a, a scheme to say that, Ru that Trump was colluding with Russia. John Brennan gets wind that the Russians found out about this scheme that Hillary is putting together. Hillary Clinton's putting it, putting a, a scheme together to falsely accuse then-candidate Trump, of colluding with the Russians. The Russians find out about this scheme that's going to falsely accuse them of colluding with Trump. And the intel officials, namely John Brennan, John Brennan, head of the CIA, is briefing then-President Obama that they have concerns that the Russians now have gotten wind of this and will put false information into Hillary's Clint Hillary Clinton's fraudulent story. And who does in the FBI gets briefed on this? James Comey, head of the FBI at the time, he gets briefed on this, and what does he do? Investigates Trump. What did Trump have to do with any of that? So it's not very surprising that the FBI gets wind of this. That indeed Hunter Biden did introduce the number three executive at Barisma to Joe Biden one year later. As Marisma is being federally investigated, Biden gets the prosecutor looking into Barisma fired as Hunter Biden is getting $80,000 a month, $3.5 million to his company. The computer was dropped off at a repair shop in Biden's home state of Delaware in April 2019, according to the store's owner. Other material extracted from the computer includes a raunchy 12-minute video that appears to show Hunter, who's, who's admitted struggling with addiction problems, smoking crack while engaged in a sex act 
with an unidentified woman, as well as other sexually explicit images. The customer who brought in the water-damaged MacBook Pro for repair never paid for the service or retrieved it or a hard drive on which its contents were stored, according to the shop owner who said he tried repeatedly to contact the client. So then what happened, the reverberations of all of this, is that it gets out. Of course, it's the New York Post. This is not some abstract site somewhere, some conspiratorial site. This is the New York Post. They put out this article all about this computer. And then all the conservatives that merely took the New York Post article and put it on Twitter all get blocked. Ted Cruz, Trump campaign, Kaylee McEnany. And those are just the ones that I know about. I'm sure there was numerous others. So Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, speaking alongside Ted Cruz, talks to the media about this tech censorship and what's going to come as a result of it. Play that video for me. I want to say that uh, obviously I agree wholeheartedly with the chairman, Senator Cruz. I think taking this action is absolutely necessary. Last night, the subcommittee, my subcommittee on crime and terrorism, invited both Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg to come and testify. I think a subpoena from the Judiciary Committee is absolutely appropriate and in order. It is absolutely vital. We believe in a free press in this country. We also believe in free elections and the attempt to rig an election which is what we are seeing here by monopolies, is unprecedented in American history. They have a lot to answer for, and I hope that we'll subpoena both Twitter and Facebook. They should both come. They're both engaged in censorship. They're both massive monopolies. They should answer to the Judiciary Committee. They should answer for the, to the full Senate. They should answer the American people, and that's what this is about, and I look forward to taking this vote and hearing their testimony to the committee. And Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg were both subpoenaed today. So that's the follow-up. They're both subpoenaed today. I saw it on Breitbart. So they need to answer. Gateway Pundit writes on Josh Hawley. Senator Hawley blasts Jack Dorsey after the CEO admits Twitter's actions censoring Hunter Biden news was unacceptable. In response, Senator Hawley, who is known for his crusade against big tech censorship, wrote that it was nearly it was not nearly good enough and that the platform may have violated election law, which is a crime. Twitter, at Jack, that is not nearly good enough, is what the tweet said. In fact, it's a joke, is what Holly wrote. It's downright insulting. Yeah, we're not, there, we're not there yet. I will ask you and Facebook to give an explanation under oath to the Senate subcommittee to chair. This is what Josh Holly wrote on Twitter. These are potential violations of election law, and that's a crime. Now, what's he saying right there? What he's saying is, is that it's an in-kind donation to the Democratic Party to censor conservative talk. And conservatives are the ones on, this is both Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and Twitter, Jack Dorsey, are both taking down Twitter followers. I mean, people with blue checkmark Twitter accounts, taking down their content and blocking them. Kaylee McEnany was completely blocked from her account. This... The White House press, press secretary was blocked from her account. She wasn't putting out an election prediction. She was putting out a New York Post article. That's it. And her whole, her whole account was blocked. And Holly's saying this is completely unacceptable. Now here, you can put it up now. This was what Jack Dorsey said in response to this. He said our communication around our actions on the New York Post article was not great. 
and blocking URL sharing via tweet or DM with zero context as to why we're blocking unacceptable. Bring it back to me. So he's not saying that they were wrong, just their communications about it were wrong. And that's why Holly said, not nearly good enough. Oh, you got that on Kaylee McEnany? Yeah, put that up there. That's good. There we go. There's Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, the current White House press secretary. Your account has been locked. Can you imagine for putting out an article from the New York Post? There it is. That's all it was. That's what everybody was. The Trump campaign was blocked. I believe President Trump himself put it out and he's got some sort of censorship on it. Also like contains false information and both you, both Facebook and Twitter were guilty of it. And let me just say this while we're, while we're talking about this stuff. See, we as conservatives, we are going to have to be flexible. This isn't, you know, this is an example and I'm not, I'm not crying about it. It's just like when I got blocked and taken off of Facebook, nobody switched over to YouTube to watch the podcast. I mean, there was some, and I love you guys that did. They're the diehards of the diehards. But literally, our our podcast lost 75% of its viewership. Nobody switched over. And see, that's how they win. You know, all everybody had to do was go over to YouTube, and we still would have two, 300 people watching. You know, we, we you know right now we're low. I don't know how many people are watching now. 50 or 60, but we usually get up there higher than that. But at some point to, you know, Saturdays were three, you know, three to 400 people oftentimes. And on Thursdays, who knows what comes on here somewhere between 100 and 200 normally. But when we, when we got banned, nobody moved and see, that's how they win. They plan on nobody going over to parlor from Twitter because parlor is the answer to Twitter. But really, I mean, parlor's doing good. They've got, four or five million accounts over there, but that pales in comparison to Twitter. We are all going to have to accept something. And for all the people out there that always want unity and can't we all come together? How, how do you come together with somebody who blocks you off of your own Twitter page? How do you unify with that? You can't, you have to form your own economy. If listen, if they want to come along, <clears throat> if they, if they want to change, if they, if they want to, you know, decide to knock it off. Great. Great. I hope they do. But the problem is, is that whenever they do things like this, it doesn't stir conservatives enough up for them to pay the price. The NBA's paying the price, you know, right now, but it depends on, and, and the NFL did for a while, but they never pay a big enough price. And that's what has to happen is there has to be a mass migration really into our own economy, into our own businesses. Otherwise, this is just going to keep happening. They'll, they're literally, and really, everyone talks about, well, you know what? They're a tech monopoly. Well, why really are they? Anybody can set up a platform. Anybody can. It's just a matter of whether conservatives will eat it for a little while. You know, I'm used to Facebook and I'm used to, well, you may have to switch. You may have to switch from YouTube to Rumble. In the next month or so, I hope to be live on Rumble. We're, I've got an account over there. I'm, I'm look, we'll have to look into the, the technology it'll take for us to be live over there. But I hope to switch and get over and live, be live on Rumble because Rumble is the alternative to YouTube, which routinely takes down conservative content. We have to be ready for that stuff. Continuing on with the, the, the Jack Dorsey response to the New York Post. 
article. It says here, this is from the Gateway Pundit, all the big tech giants worked hard on Wednesday, just yesterday, to censor an explosive report from the Post that alleged there is a there is a 2015 email from Burisma Energy from a Burisma Energy executive, Vadim Bazarsky, the one we talked about a minute ago, thanking Hunter Biden for giving him an opportunity to meet your father. Now here's a video from 60 Minutes. Biden's talking again. Just all you have to do is just look at look at his demeanor. And his attitude, and what really is the truth behind all these things? Hunter said and he's the only being protected. Thing you said to him was, "quote I hope you know what you're doing." That's exactly right. He's a grown man. What I meant by that is, I hope you've thought this through. I hope you know exactly what you're doing here. Meaning what? That's all I meant. Nothing more than that, because I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters, and I've never discussed them because they know where I have to do my job, and that's it. And they have to make their own judgments. Do you understand people say, Joe Biden, he's an experienced politician, statesman, knows the issues of Ukraine. Why didn't he just say to his son, this is one to take a pass on. It may not look good. He was already on the board, and he's a grown man. And it turns out he did not do a single thing wrong, as everybody's investigated. President Trump has said publicly, Joe Biden. All right, we got another one. And this, this is a on a campaign stop. And Biden is asked about his son. Look at the attitude here. But you, on the other hand, sent your son over there to get a job and work for a gas company. He had no experience with gas or nothing. So you're you're selling access to the president. You're a damn liar, man. That's not true. Let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do this run. Let's do very long, too. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. You know what you said? I get your work straight, Jack. But look, look, listen to you. You're too old to go for me. It's a legitimate attitude. All about it, right? Republican Senator Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, and Josh Hawley on Thursday called for the heads of Twitter and Facebook to testify, and they will because they've all been subpoenaed. All right, past that for now. We'll see what happens with it. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, issues a dire warning about Thanksgiving. There he goes. From the Hill, Fauci issues dire warning about Thanksgiving. He says that it could be a super spreader event. And I want to just say a super spreader event, just like mask wearing, because what it's turned out is, you know, the information that's come out about mask wearers is that about 85% of the cases being reported right now are from people who continuously, almost non in a nonstop fashion, are wearing masks. The people who are 85% of the people who are coming up positive for COVID-19 right now are the people that are you see out there always with masks on. So again, which one is really the super spreader? People that are gathering without masks or people that are killing off their immune systems as they walk around day in and day out. To this day, I see I see people driving around alone with their masks. I mean, every day. I mean, if I spent a lot of time on the road, it'd be hundreds. If I was still a cop patrolling the streets, I think it would be hundreds and hundreds of people that I would see every day with a mask on driving around all alone. It's, I mean, so what, what, what is really the super spreader event? Fauci's advice or the opposite of Fauci's advice? Take a look at this. Yeah, put that up, Aaron. 
This from Jack Coco, blue check mark on Twitter. Look, here it is. Explain to me <clears throat> how this is not worldwide news. How, how is this not worldwide news? Look, 2017, U.S. deaths. This is the total deaths. This is how many people died in the U.S. in 2017. How does this not end the entire assumption that this is a deadly plague, that COVID-19 is a deadly plague? 2017 U.S. deaths, 2.81 million total deaths in the United States in 2017. Had a slight uptick in 2018, 2.83 million deaths. 2019, 2.86 million deaths. Now, <clears throat> what do we have so far this year? 2.13 million. We're averaging, look at the average per month. We're averaging right in between 2018 and 2019 at 236,000 people a month die in the United States. You can bring it back to me. So how is it that we have a pandemic? Does anybody out there, when you're walking around with your mask on, and Christians, again, start with the Christians. Judgment begins at the house of God. So if you're out there wearing a mask right now, or you go to a church that takes your temperature and requires that you social distance, and people that go to my church, you might, or maybe you go to the River Church in Tampa, you might be thinking, nobody does that. Everybody's doing that. Almost all churches are taking some sort of COVID mitigation actions. For what? Exactly. If there's the same amount of deaths per month as there was in 2018 and 19, then how do we have a pandemic? Dom, you haven't you seen it? There's 210,000 deaths from coronavirus. You really believe that number? Do you ever do you ever pay much attention to the head of the CDC? Play the Tucker Carlson video for me. The response tonight from the CDC about our segment last night on face masks. A spokesman for the CDC said that our coverage was misleading. Now, the spokesman didn't dispute that we had showed accurate data from the CDC, including that 85% of people who tested positive for coronavirus in July reported wearing a mask always or often. Instead, the spokesman said this, quote, at no time has CDC guidance suggested that masks were intended to protect the wearers. Huh? At no time has the CDC suggested that masks were intended to protect people who wear masks. That's what they said tonight. Now, that would be news to the director of the CDC, Robert Redfield. Here he was last month. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID that when I take a COVID vaccine. This is the CDC? They're protecting us from this pandemic? They don't even know what their own director is saying. But whatever you do, don't question public health experts. Facebook and Twitter and Google will shut you down. Just put your mask on and obey. Back to me. So what exactly was said there? The head of the CDC says, that masks are your best protection on the planet from you getting it. So you wearing a mask protects you from getting the coronavirus. All you have to do is wear a mask. And then his own website says that it is, they've never ever endorsed the fact that the mask wearer is being protected from COVID themselves. That wearing a mask protects you at all. So which story is right? And these are the people that say... There's 210,000 people that are dead. These are the people that stipulate the rules on how doctors fill out death certificates when it comes to coronavirus. 
The website says one thing. The head of the CDC, Robert Redfield, says exactly the opposite. And if you remember, Deborah Burks, head of the Coronavirus Task Force, not a not a very smart person herself, total COVID idiot, but she herself said, I don't believe basically anything that's coming out of the CDC. But the CDC is the one that's propagating all the numbers. 210,000 deaths. Explain to me how. Here, can you flip back to that deaths slide that we had and flip that back up for me? Explain to me how we have 210 extra thousand deaths this year. Explain that to me. Oh, Tom, you're just some sort of, you know, hardcore conservative conspiracy theorist. How? Explain to me how I'm a conspiracy theorist. Last year, there was, was 3,000 more people died a month last year than this year. Back to me. So how is it that we, how exactly is it that we have a pandemic? Ex- explain it to me. Well, no, nobody would lie like this. Why wouldn't they? You're telling me Democrats won't lie? All the, all the states right now that are shut down are Democrats. Let me read you this. This is from the New York, well, from the vaunted New York Post via Gateway Pundit from today. Democratic states lead the country with the highest unemployment rates. You can put up that pic. From here's two, here's the two largest states. There's Cuomo and there's Gavin Newsom from New York and California, respectively. You like you're back to me real quick. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is this: Is there a motivation for everybody to say that? Listen, and I and I hear my favorite. Conservative commentators, the sole exception, sole exception is Tucker Carlson, who doesn't call it a plague. Who doesn't call this the deadliest plague. Even my favorites of all, I don't even want to say their name, because I'm going to protect them for now. But my favorite conservative commentators still acquiesce to the non-fact, as if it's a fact. They acquiesce to the non-fact that this is a deadly plague. Has it killed people? Of course it's killed people. The flu kills between 30 and 80,000 Americans per year. And we all know what the CDC had to admit. Out of that 200,000 deaths, only 9 to 10,000 were caused exclusively from COVID-19. Everybody else averaged between 2 to 3 serious comorbidities that died allegedly of COVID-19. But even then, out of the rest of them, you had the, the nine or 10,000 that exclusively died of COVID, then allegedly 200,000 people died with comorbidities. Well, is that even true? Because the CDC basically puts out the doctors. All you have to do is presume that they have COVID. And there's money tied to COVID patients. You basically get three times as much money for a COVID death or a ventilator, you know, ventilator treatment than you do any other sorts of treatment. So can any of these numbers be trusted? They've been caught time and time again, fabricating COVID deaths from car crashes, lightning strikes, alcohol poisonings and shootings, and numerous others. An article come out from funeral home directors in New York saying nobody's even testing these people for COVID. They're going and picking up bodies. Nobody knows whether they're COVID or not, but they're all being put down as COVID. How does that make any sense? This is the New York Post and the Gateway Pundit. Democrat states lead the country with the highest unemployment rates. Hawaii has a 12.5% unemployment rate, has one of the strictest COVID policies on the planet. Illinois, 11%, still is closed. 
Hawaii, still closed. Massachusetts, 11.3, still closed. New Jersey, 10.9, still closed. New Mexico, 11.3, not sure what their status is. Nevada, 13.2, partially open but mainly closed. New York, basically completely closed. 12.5% unemployment rate. Pennsylvania, 10.3% unemployment rate. Rhode Island, 12.8% unemployed unemployment rate. All of these. Now, what would their motivations be? And this is not made up. This is from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. The government. So why would they want to hold on? Why would they want to hold on to all of their COVID policies? They're trying to unseat President Trump. They're holding on. They're actually holding their own states for ransom to try to defeat Donald Trump. Approximately, what, 19 days from now, I think it is, until we all vote. And they're just trying to hold on until then. And they're, they're causing their own people to commit suicides at exponential rates, drug overdoses at exponential rates, because Democrats have never cared about human life. They're the admirers of Margaret Sanger. 247 black babies a day are killed in abortion mills, sponsored by Planned Parenthood, started by Margaret Sanger. Bill Gates was on that board of, of Planned Parenthood at the very, Bill Gates's father was on the board of Planned Parenthood at the very beginning. That's who these people are. They've never cared about human life. These states, continuing with the New York Post article, have one thing in common. Their governors have imposed severe pandemic-related restrictions on economic activity, and they have been either and they have been either extraordinarily reluctant to or have directly refused to lift them despite COVID-19's diminishing mortality threat. These 10 states have just under one-third of the country's population. Their, com their combined population weight unemployment rate in August was 11.4%. This means that the unemployment rate for the rest of the nation is 7%. If it wasn't for these 10 states, our unemployment rate would be better than the best Barack Obama ever produced in his eight years, which was 7.6%. If it wasn't for that, do you kind of see the motivation now? You leave these 10 states in here, even with those 10 states, our unemployment rate right now is 7.9, even with those 10 states. But if we didn't have those, we'd be under 7% right now, which even post-COVID, Trump would have a better unemployment rate than O'Biden had for their entire eight years. From Town Hall and the Bongino Report, 10-15, leftists lose their minds over Trump landing dueling Town Hall against Biden. President Trump will take part in the NBC News Town Hall event in Miami on Thursday. The Town Hall, moderated by Today anchor Savannah Guthrie, will take place at the same time on the same evening and at the same time that Joe Biden is, just, is doing his Town Hall in Philadelphia. And all the, there's a bunch of tweets coming out from Hollywood and other liberal pundits. They're all against this thing. They're all like, this shouldn't be allowed to happen. Why not? Why not? They canceled the debate. Why can't Trump do it whenever he wants? If NBC will put it out there, why can't he? I don't think he should do a town hall that's moderated by uh, Samantha Guthrie, who's a left-wing hack. But at least, you know, he's getting the word out. I mean, he, he's competing again. You know, the whole thing was is that the campaign was, I mean, the, uh, the debate was canceled. So this is almost a pseudo-debate. 
And all, they don't like it. You know why? I wonder what the ratings will be. I wonder who will have the highest ratings, whether it will be ABC with Biden or NBC with Trump. I think we all know how that's going to turn out. But they're all losing their minds. And the reason why is ratings. This is an Eric Trump tweet. You can put that up for me. It says, we love all of you so much. This is about what happened was, is that a bunch of Trump supporters brought out a giant MAGA flag, make America great again flag, and put it over the giant Black Lives Matter, uh, graf- well, basically graffiti that was painted on the road in front of Trump Tower by Bill de Blasio, Al Sharpton, and numerous others. They did a giant, well, for me, it's just flat out, you know, they'll call it a collage or they'll call it something else. Mural, yeah. But that's what they said it was. Then they did that with taxpayer dollars, paying up, paying Black Lives, painting Black Lives Matter on the street. Well, the response from Trump supporters was they brought out a giant flag and they went and covered it up. And, and this is, was uh, Eric Trump's response to it. You can put it back up for me. We love all of you so much. If it was there, if I was there today, I'm campaigning in Michigan and Minnesota. I would come down and give you all a big hug. Thank you for the support at Real Donald Trump. Put up the video for me. You play it for me. we had an aerial that would be great but that's a lot to ask but hey you never know on election night too i've been predicting for a while and listen if if i turned i won't be wrong but if i turned out to be wrong i would admit it trump's gonna win in a landslide victory i don't know what's gonna happen in new york we'll see there's a lot of people that are very upset about the state of affairs because you have the governor relocking down new york as we speak we'll get into that in a couple minutes from fox news 10 11 Trump picks up another Nobel Prize nomination from Europe after diplomatic victories. I'm not going to even, maybe I'll give it a shot. Laura Hutasare, an an MEP and a member of the right-wing Finns party from Finland, wrote to the Nobel Committee to nominate Trump for the 2021 prize in recognition of his endeavors to end the era of endless wars, construct peace by encouraging conflicting parties for dialogue and negotiations, as well as underpin internal cohesion and stability of his country. So there's number three, three nominations for Nobel Peace Prizes for President Trump. Now I put together a group. Of, oh, you got it, Aaron. Put that up there. Is that, is that an actual picture? Oh, wow, there it is. There's an aerial. Trump for law and order. Look at it. It doesn't even make America great again. It was Trump for law and order. Yeah, but you know why that is? Because their their shooting rate is up 165% in the city, in, the, in, in New York City. The shooting rate is up 165% from September of 2019 to September of 2020. Shootings are up 165%. But don't worry, Bill de Blasio is right on top of that as he cuts the New York NYPD's budget by a billion dollars. Don't worry, he's got it well under control. But don't worry, he's got plenty of time to go paint murals 
of Black Lives Matter in front of Trump, Trump Tower as his, as his murder rate goes up 25 to 30% and his shooting rate goes up 165%. Don't worry, Bill de Blasio's got it well in hand. Now, I put together some pictures, and this is just, for me, symbolic. Have you seen the pictures from the Biden campaign? When you go from one town to the next, you know, there's just these, these pictures. And to me, there's, it's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his vision for America, masked, distanced, and controlled. If you can put up the first one for me. There you go. And then here's Trump's vision, Biden's vision, Trump's vision. Biden's vision. Is that the last one? We got another Trump. One more Trump. Give me another Trump. Oh, yeah. There's Trump's vision. Biden's vision. Trump's vision. Biden's vision. There, I know that's the last one, right? Oh, I like how we finished on a Donald Trump tweet. Joe Biden's rally. Zero enthusiasm. This, I'm telling you, the Democrats want you masked, controlled, and distanced. That's what they want. You know, and I probably shouldn't say something like this, but if it wasn't that if, if President Trump and all those that are going to his rallies, then they're masked. Most of those people are only wearing those masks so that President Trump doesn't take heat from the media. And I really don't think President Trump believes in masking either. I honestly don't. I can't speak for him. That's my opinion. There's no evidence to support that opinion, really, because he's put out the opposite. But he, you know, he's playing the political game. From the Western Journal, the adage... If you go woke, you go broke is proving to be true in ESPN's case. According to reports from multiple outlets, the sports network is preparing to lay off hundreds of employees again. This is not an unusual story for ESPN. They've been cascading downhill for years because they are going woke and they are going broke. They have endless Colin Kaepernick and Jamel Hill are putting together, you know, documentaries about how horrible America is. People don't want to see it. Listen, if you want to watch something about politics, you tune into me or you turn into Fox News. You turn into, uh, you know, Jesse Waters or Dan Bongino or Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson. But when you want to watch a game, you just want to watch a game. I don't want to be in politics 24-7. But nowadays, you turn on the ESPN, you're going to get a lecture about your white supremacist ideologies and how you have white privilege. And you didn't ever even knew, you never even knew you were a white supremacist until ESPN told you you were. According to reports from multiple outlets, the sports network is preparing to lay off hundreds of employees. These purported layoffs would come after ESPN has launched various left-wing social justice projects. One source told Front Office Sports that the potential number of layoffs could be between three and 700 employees. On September 30th, CNN reported that Disney, the parent company of ESPN, was laying off 28,000 employees. The reported cuts at ESPN will come as the company continues to promote more and more left-wing ac- uh, activism. The ratings for this year's ESPYs, ESPN's award show, absolutely tanked in June. It was the lowest rated SB show in the network's history, dating all the way back to 1995. Well, I didn't know the SBs had been around that long. The event was centered mostly around social issues rather than sports, with hosts preaching about the controversial Black Lives Matter movement and white privilege. How lovely. That's a lot of fun to watch. You know, I'm going to put aside my Saturday night or whatever. I'm going to sit there and, watch and have a bunch of 
privileged multi-millionaire athletes lecture me about my privilege? I don't think so. Let me say hey to a couple people while I'm on here. Hey, Grace, how are you doing? I love that name, Hucklebuck. <laughs> love you, man. God bless you. Hey, Stephanie, glad you're on. Stephanie from church, love you. Hey, Karen, glad you're on. Hey, Bailey, I got your message. I haven't been able to get on, be able, even been able to answer anything on Messenger. I will get back to you. I love you. Appreciate you. Big time. Hey, Grace, love you. Bless you. Glad you're on. Patricia, glad you're on. Hey, Dennis from church. Love you, brother. Glad you're on. Hey, Wes, seeing you more and more. God bless you, man. Glad you're on. Hey, Lynn from church. Love you. Glad you're on. Greg, glad you're on. Who else we got here? Doug, God bless you, man. Glad you're on. Rosalie, that's the name I see a lot too. Love you. Glad you're on. Hey, Tracy, glad you're on. Trump 2020 agreeing. Amen. Amen. Steve VS, Trump Pence 2020. Amen. I'm with you. Grace, Trump 2020. Yes. Hey, my brother Eric from church, Trump 2020. Hey, Tracy from Ohio. God bless you. Ohio for Trump. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Let's see. Dylan, God bless you. Glad you're on. Hey, Sherry from church. Glad you're on. Love you guys. Greg W. Glad you're on. Michael, glad you're on, brother. God bless you. Let's see who else we got here. Hey, Daryl from church. Love you, brother. Always there for me. Appreciate you. Hey, Gary. God bless you. Hey, Mark from the Philippines. Glad you're on. Hey, Oliver. God bless you, brother. Just saw you. Esteban, glad you're on, man. God bless you. Hey, Betty, glad you're on. Let's see. Hey, people keep popping on now. <laughs> Ron from Texas, God bless you. Glad you're on. All right, that's kind of got you. Hey, Sandra, I see you on there. Fra Franklin, Indiana, God bless you. Glad you're on. Bless you guys. Got YouTube over here. Hey, Ron, God bless you. What else we got on there? Eric, I got you on both. <laughs> Again, they're not scrolling over there. I can't see them. There's, there's just, if there's more, I can't see them. They're frozen. We got to work on our tech here. All right. From the Washington Free Beacon and the Bongino Report. America has the fewest cops in a quarter of a century. Data has found there are fewer police officers per person in the United States than at any point in the last 25 years. Recently released federal data shows after over a decade of decline, there are roughly 214 police officers per 100,000 Americans in 2019. We'll get the 2020 survey. How much you want to bet that got worse? According to the latest figures from the Census Bureau, the re that represents a 1.5% decline from 2018 and a 9% drop from 2007 when police numbers last peaked. So about 9 to 10% down from 13 years ago. That's a lot of police officers no longer on the streets. Gee, I wonder why. Well, Miguel, Rafael Miguel, Deputy Director of the Legal Policy at the Manhattan Institute, put out this opinion. A lot of forces have converged over the last decade or so to make policing a much less attractive line of work. Yeah, you think. He noted that in addition to low pay, Police are, are seeing an uptick in violent deaths as their own violent deaths, as well as an increase in legal risk. We've seen a new push for accountability, he puts in quotes, accountability. 
There doesn't need to be any more accountability. Even listen, I hear Ben Shapiro say that. I hear other people. Maybe it wasn't Ben Shapiro. Maybe it's Tim Pool. I can't remember. So I don't want. I take that back. I'm not sure which one. But I hear conservative pundits saying, "Yeah, we need to have more accountability in law enforcement." Explain how. How would you have more accountability? I mean, they already have body cameras. They're, listen, I know law enforcement cop again. 22 years. I mean, 25 years. 1992. The 2017, 25 years in a day I was a cop. You sign into a computer. You can't go anywhere without them knowing you've gone somewhere. Everything you do, you sign out on a computer. This is back, this was, I retired three years ago. And it was that way. And what, it just gets more and more tech savvy, more and more technological. You know, pretty, it, now all the cars have GPSs on them. When I worked, they didn't all have GPSs on. They're just starting to when I left. So even wherever you drive, you're, what's the what's the accountability issue? Everybody says it. All you're doing, whenever you give in, when you give one inch to the left, and you say something like, "Yeah, police could be held more accountable." That's just all case by case. If a cop blows it, he blows it. If he commits a crime, he commits a crime. I'm fine with him being prosecuted. I'm not looking for corrupt cops to be protected. But there certainly doesn't need to be a massive overhaul of law enforcement. Basically. Every single year, there's a thousand Americans. Check it for yourself. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and we're on pace for the same number in 20. There's about a thousand Americans killed per year out of 330 million by law enforcement. 90 something odd percent of those are justifiable killings when the officer was protecting his life or lives of others. What, what's the big overhaul that needs to take place? I hear conservatives say it. Why? Name, give me give me the statistical data that backs that up. That reminds me of the Dave Dave Rubin interview with Larry Elder when he said that there was systemic racism and Larry Elder said where. So Dave Rubin goes, well, I believe that black people are shot more often, pulled over more often than whites, and Larry Elder just, just tore him up. Ninety seven percent of black homicides are committed by other black people. So explain to me how it is that how, how are cops the existential threat to the black man that black lives matter joe biden and kamala harris say that they are that statistically it's not true so where, where are you pulling that number from and that's why listen cops they don't want to work i mean you want to go out there and what rafael magal says that there's now an increase in legal risk we've seen a new push for quote unquote accountability that often comes in the form of officers being laid off or prosecuted or sued in a very robust political discussion of how to expand the scope of legal liability for police officers? Who'd want that job? Who wants the job that you end up defending yourself and you end up in prison? Who would want that job? I don't want, I'm glad I'm not in there anymore. I don't want that job. I love all my brothers in blue out there. I love you. I hope you stick with it. And you need to go to a, you need to go to a jurisdiction that'll stick by your side. Not like Keisha Bottoms up in Atlanta where you got Garrett Roth in the trial for his life being charged with felony murder for a completely justifiable killing. He had a taser pointed at his head. The prosecutor said a couple months before that that pointing a taser at somebody's deadly force, it happens to the officer, he shoots back, and he gets charged with felony murder. Keisha Bottoms is Soros acolyte. She's the mayor of Atlanta. Soros acolyte. Don't work in those cities, cops. This is a Maisie Hirono video.
And the Democrats, listen, they've, they've gone from political hacks to being just blatantly disgusting. Play this video for me. It was the sexual assault. She asks with zero evidence whatsoever any of this is true. She asks Amy Coney Barrett in front of her kids if she's ever been accused of sexually assaulting someone. Here we go. The dumbest member of the Senate never fails to disappoint us all, Maisie Hirono. Uh, to ensure the fitness of nominees for a lifetime appointment to the federal bench or to any of the other uh, positions uh, for any of the committees on which they appear, uh, I ask each nominee these two questions, and I will ask them of you. Since you became a legal adult, have you ever made unwanted requests for sexual favors or committed any verbal or physical harassment or assault of a sexual nature? No, Senator Hirono. Have you ever faced discipline or entered into a settlement related to this kind of conduct? No, Senator. Judge Barrett, do you think it is appropriate for justices to consider real-world impacts in their decision-making, as Justice Ginsburg noted in a number of her dissents? <laughs> Did she ask Joe Biden that question? Because the answer, unfortunately, would have to be yes. Remember Tara Reid, who accused Joe Biden? Accusations, nonetheless. Not saying they're true or not, but they are accusations. Joe Biden has been accused of Sexual assault. Did she ask, did she ask him that? Uh, Angry Beckman. See, here's the thing. You know, maybe I'll be called a sexist for saying this, but why would you ask a woman if she's ever been charged with any sort of sexual assault? I mean, come on. Let's let's all be honest here. Like, you know, it never happens, Tom. No women. I mean, come on. Really, for all intents and purposes, how many women are being charged with sexual assault? There's sometimes where they get some sexual harassment stuff or whatever. I know, I know. There's exceptions to the rule, but Jane, but but Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, come on. I mean, really, what? what I mean, it's it's just flat out disgusting. And this is the woman Maisie Arono who said that every woman should be believed. Remember that she was one of the major Kavanaugh attackers, and she said every woman should be not in. Here's she said every woman should be believed. Well, should every woman be believed? No. All accusations should be investigated. People lie. Men lie. Women lie. White people lie. Black people lie. Hispanic people lie. Asian people lie. Everybody lies. It happens. You don't believe people because they make an accusation. What kind of law enforcement judicial system would it be if we went down the path of Maisie Arono? And then... When the accusations come out with Biden, does she even ask, does she, does she come out and say, I believe Tara Reid? I mean, those are pretty credible accusations. She didn't believe them. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Tara Reid should be believed. But according to Maisie Arono, she should be believed and Joe Biden is disqualified, according to her own rhetoric and how she behaved towards Brett Kavanaugh. From the Gateway Pundit, 1014, the Trump administration just secured the release of two more American hostages, this time from Yemen. Let me just ask you, well, let me give you their names. The two Americans, Sandra Lawley and Mikhail Gadada, and the remains of a third were released in exchange for the return of 250 of the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels from Oman, Oman, according to the White House. Let me just ask you this. Is it odd that this never happened? During the Obama-Biden administration? I never saw anything like this happen. You? 
I never saw them accomplish squat. Nothing. I mean, Obama, I keep wanting to say O'Biden. This is easier. Obama got nominated for one Nobel Peace Prize, right? But right, right when he first became president, how could he, he never even accomplished anything yet? Nobody to this day, if you ask them, what did he get that nomination for? What He didn't just get nominated. He won it. What did he win that for exactly? Nobody can tell you what it was for. He just won it because he was elected president, I guess. Trump, everybody puts down the qualifications. He's brokering Israeli peace deals between the between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and other countries too. And everybody's lining up to join in that peace treaty. He Trump is getting Eastern Europe together, Kosovo together to, you know, to actually Serbia and Kosovo to come together and economically trade. I mean, come on. What are you trying to show me here? All right, gotcha. Let me here go now. That's in my face. My staff is putting me out. What what President Obama? Extraordinary efforts to strengthen international diplomacy and cooperation between people. That's funny. That's what that's what Obama got it for. And and Trump's got peace deals out the yin yang and is bringing and bringing hostages home all the time. And what, I mean, there's extraordinary cooperation between who exactly that gave Obama, I mean, it's just typical democratic politics. There's, there's absolutely no reason to give him that Nobel Peace Prize whatsoever. Nobody can name one accomplishment, but that's typical democratic politics for you. Now I'm putting a lot of, since I'm no longer watching the NFL, NBA, NHL, cause there are a bunch of black lives matter sycophants a bunch of people that have acquiesced to the lies of black lives matter taking knees painting black lives matter all over the place acquiescing to all those lies grabbing their ankles for it i've switched a lot over to the ufc dana white who's the president of the usc does not bow to black lives matter yet i hope he never does i hope he never does but this is jorge masvidal some would consider him one of the best or the best fighter on the planet. And he's talking about Trump, and this is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, outspoken UFC fighter Jorge Masvidal has made it clear he's MAGA in the past, but now he's actively campaigning for Trump in a series of appearances in Florida produced by fighters. Again, I love this organization. Fighters Against Socialism. Play the video for me. I'm going to let you in on something. The Democrats just think that they're entitled to the Latino vote. They think that we just have to hand it over to them. That's right. We sure as hell don't. Así mismo. Así mismo. They got to show us what they can do for us, what they can do for our communities. We're not going to buy the same wolf tickets and false promises that destroyed great countries like Venezuela and Cuba. It's not going to happen. You know what else is not going to work for them? playing Despacito on your cell phone to pander to us. Hell no. You got to give us some credit for having heads on our shoulders. I'm going to wrap this up. Some words of Barack Obama. He said elections have consequences. That is true. And those words have never been more true than they are today. We either reelect President Trump and keep America great 
Amen. But we let Joe Biden destroy the greatest country the world has ever seen. All right, back to me. There you go. Love that guy, Jorge Masvidal. Before Trump got COVID, he was actually planning to have a bus tour in Miami, him and Eric Trump. And Trumps are back in Miami, I believe, at the end. Well, at the end of this week should be tomorrow, I guess. They'll be in Miami. Um, so be watching out for that. But Gateway Pundit 1015. Now, some of you, you're seeing those polls come out and you're starting to get concerned, aren't you? You know, Trump's down by 10, down by 12. He's not. Listen, go to Twitter and go to Poll Watch. Poll Watch. That's the true polls. Those are the real ones that actually predict things correctly. NBC, NBC couldn't be in a rainstorm and predict that it's going to rain. They couldn't do it. Don't worry about those polls. Let me read you some information here now. From the Gateway Pundit, based on history, economic models, and historical trends, President Trump will win 2020 presidential election. Incumbents have won elections when the economy was down a majority of the time, but no incumbent has ever received at least 75% of the primary vote has lost in re-election. Donald Trump received 94% of the primary vote. Nobody in their primary has ever received 75% or more in the primary and ever lost, ever lost in the general. He didn't just get 75%, he got 94%. This is from a David Chapman tweet. Trump is only one of five incumbents since 1912 to receive 90% or more of the primary vote. We've never seen primary participation levels for an incumbent like we did in the 2020 GOP primary, and he was running unopposed. Trump set a record for most votes received by an incumbent with 18.1 million. You know what the previous record was? 9.7 million from Bill Clinton. We also had riots, incumbents. Oh, we also had riots. Incumbents are six for six when facing re-election during civil unrest, but four and oh when facing a pandemic and civil unrest. Another Chapman tweet. Three times in history, America has faced a pandemic recession and civil unrest during an election year. The incumbent party is 3-0 and in those elections. What about polls? Well, polls are predicting Trump's win. The ABC poll shows Trump with a 19-point enthusiasm advantage. Listen, every candidate since 1988 that led in enthusiasm has won the election. Pew gives Trump a 20-point advantage in strength of support. The leader in this poll has won every election since 1964. Do you ever hear that now? Everything but the mainstream media polls are indicating a Trump landslide win. He's going to win, I'm telling you, 45 states, and he's going to pull some very shocking states out. Watch, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. But did you hear that? Pew gives Trump a 20-point advantage in strength of support. The leader in this poll has won every election since 1964. Every candidate since 1988 that led in enthusiasm has won the election since 1988, and he has a 20-point lead in enthusiasm. Since 2004, the candidate that led in Google searches has won the election. Trump, Trump leads Biden in Google searches by a ratio of 3 to 1, and that's probably 
He's probably not that close. No one who served 15 years in the Senate has ever become president. Joe Biden served 36 years in the Senate. Every indicator, I'm telling you, every indicator, except for mainstream media polls, shows that President Trump's going to win. And listen, there are real polls out there that actually show a Trump landslide victory is going to happen. Read, go, go to Poll Watch on Twitter. Now, speaking of elections, Glenn Beck has been talking a lot about this. I've, I've talked about it in some detail a few, about probably three, four weeks ago. There's a, there's a project out there called the Transition Integrity Project. It's a bunch of Democrats. John Podestra is heading it up. I mean, you couldn't get a more insidious hack than John Podesta. Him and it's also linked closely with the Lincoln Project, which are a bunch of never Trumpers, Republican losers out there. They're the ones you see putting up those commercials where they show George Bush and go, this is what the Republican Party used to look like. Oh, yeah, I really want George Bush back. I don't want a Bush to ever be in the, <laughs> I don't want any Bush to be in any public office ever again. They're, they're a bunch of capitulating, weak need, not, they're not unprincipled. They're not real conservatives. They're just swamp dwellers. They're just swamp maintenance people. The way that I look at it is all of these Lincoln Project Republicans and the Democrats, all they do is go, you know what, here's so you, you take the conservative positions in D.C., we'll take the liberal positions. None of us are really going to try to accomplish anything, but we're all going to get famous and rich while we sit here and espouse our values. And we'll argue back and forth so that everybody thinks that we're actually principled. But if you notice that none of them actually ever accomplish anything, when the Republican Party had Congress, had the White House, and had the Senate, all they had to do was vote and Obamacare was gone. And what happened? Ultimate swamp rat. John McCain put the thumbs down on voting out Obamacare. He never accomplished anything. John, what did John McCain ever accomplish? You ever think about it? Name one thing that Joe Biden has ever accomplished. John McCain ever accomplished. Mitt Romney has ever accomplished. Nothing. They don't accomplish anything. They're just fulfilling their roles. Keeping the swamp alive. That's all that they're about. They never, they're not really principled. And then an outsider comes in. Whether it's like a Devin Nunez, a President Trump. Josh Hawley, real actual people that are actually principled come in. John Ratcliffe, people like that. Jim Jordan that actually want to institute conservative policies. Where's the rest of the Republican Party? You're with the Lincoln Project. You're like, Tom, you don't, I'm a registered Republican. I'm voting Republican down the ticket for sure. But sometimes it is an absolute, just a lesser of two evils. And there's some real great Republicans, too. There are no real great Democrats. But Glenn Beck is talking about the Transition Integrity Project, which is a grouping of mainly Democrats and, and then some never-Trump Republicans, and they're actually wargaming post-election scenarios. Play the video for me. So Democrats and democratically funded Republicans at the Lincoln Project uh, wargamed four possible scenarios. They're all available now. You can read them yourself. Game one is an ambiguous result on election night. Game two, a clear Biden victory. Game three, a clear Trump win. Game four, a narrow Biden win. Now, no matter what happens on November 3rd, 
The left is looking to make gains, and it would just go to show you the hypocrisy in the name of this document being the transition integrity. They have planned to do something with all of these scenarios. Even if it's a clear Trump, they're not interested in transition integrity. They either want to win and fundamentally change our country, or if they lose, they still plan on using everything in their disposal to change, fundamentally, our country. The inspirations for their plan should scare the heck out of everybody. It's mentioned on their very first page. Quote, the closest analogy may be the election of 1876, a time of extreme partisanship and rampant disenfranchisement where multiple states pro-offered uh, competing states of electors. And the election was only resolved through a grand political bargain days before the inauguration. Now, see if this sounds familiar. Real quick, Aaron, if you can rewind that just like ten, five seconds, I want that. That verbiage he's got, yeah, right there. If you can put that on the screen for me, best you can. Political bargain. There we go. Yeah, that's too blurry for anybody to see, I think. I mean, I can read it, but I don't think anybody else can. Yeah, forget it. All right. What they're saying there with this is that they're wargaming various scenarios. Notice they didn't, leave, they didn't put in a narrow Trump win. That wasn't one of their things. But basically what this is, is how they're going to leverage this election, win or lose, for Democratic ideals. Basically, if Trump has like a narrow win, well, we're not going to concede until you give us statehood for D.C., statehood for Puerto Rico, whatever it, whatever it is that they want. That's what the Transition Integrity Project is all about. And by the way, they're not hiding any of this. You can, you can right now go online and type in Transition Integrity Project, it's right there. There's no hiding it. It's right there for you to see. So this is not some sort of covert activity. They're actually wargaming all this stuff. Play the next video for me. The four scenarios. Take a look at some of the things listed as things they are preparing for in advance. They are organizing a list of a thousand influencers to push the claim that Trump is trying to steal the election. Two, you can expect a heavy dose of Hollywood and social media on that. They're recruiting Republican moderates, the moderate governors, to form their own coalition. They are readying a capital strike and work stoppage to pressure companies. As I showed you earlier, the left has been busy building a network of street activists for years. So you're going to see all these groups spontaneously rise up. They plan to unleash them right after election. All right, now back to me. So what they're looking to do is democratic violence will be blamed on Trump supporters. What they're going to claim, just be ready. What they're going to claim is, is that there were secret Trump supporters put into like the Black Lives Matter organization. Trump supporters covertly went in and acted like Black Lives Matter supporters or Antifa members. And they were the ones causing all the violence. I mean, shocking. The Democrats would lie about that. This should eerily remind you of Transition Integrity Project should eerily remind you of Event 201. Remember Event 201? Oh, no big deal. It was just Bill Gates was there. The UN was there. The World Health Organization was there. DuPont was there. Numerous organizations. Bristol Myers. All different organizations. All different representatives were at an event, a wargaming scenario called Event 201 where they basically put out the scenario, you know, they're of a world pandemic. And this was back in October of 2019. Coronavirus became known to the world in December of 2019. And 
They just what not, what who, what did they pick? What disease did they decide to war game? What what disease did they decide to use for their scenarios, their response scenarios? What 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 disease? Oh oh, a coronavirus. How strange. Nobody ever heard the term coronavirus ever outside of maybe the medical community. But lo and behold, in October of 2019, two months before anybody ever heard of coronavirus, you had Bill Gates, the UN, the World Health Organization, wargaming coronavirus scenarios. What a surprise that is. Oh, it's, you know, but, you know, nobody had any idea this was coming. No, I mean, this has all just happened out of the blue. No, it's not a manipulated virus or anything. Yeah. All right, from Gateway Pundit 10.8. Everybody needs to know who Kamala Harris really is. You really need to know because I'll sum it up for you. She's a monster. She's an immoral monster, soulless monster. Let's look. Kamala Harris kept hundreds of black men in prison past their release date. This is when she was the state attorney general, the number one law enforcement officer in the state of California. Kamala Harris kept hundreds of black men in prison past their release date so she could use these men for $2 a day state labor. There you go. It's not, it's not written by me. That's that's from the press. This is from this is called this is from a uh, Twitter account called the Black Socialist. Beautiful mosaic of Kamala Harris made out of all the black men she locked up and kept in prison past their release date for cheap prison labor. If you look real close, those are all little faces. Kept in prison by Kamala Harris so she could exploit them for $2 a day labor. Back in February 2019, Jackie Kucinich at the Daily Beast, Aaron, that's that headline, that's that article you already put up, wrote about Kamala Harris's Attorney General's office keeping inmates locked up so the state could use them for cheap labor. Kamala Harris also locked up 1,500 people for marijuana violations. She also suppressed exculpatory evidence for people, or at least one, and maybe two, men that were on death row that could have set them free. She had to be forced to release it. Why would you ever have to be forced to release exculpatory information? Oh, because you're a Democrat. Just like the FBI refused to put all the exculpatory information on the FISA warrants about Carter Page. They don't care. Now here is an interesting little, we'll do one right after another, just have them quick and ready to go. This is what I call the cringe, the Kamala cringe compilation. Play the first one for me. And then uh, best rapper alive. Tupac. What do you listen to? Because well, I know she has to go. So, what does Kamala Harris listen to? What were you what listening to when you was high? Uh, <laughs> what was on? What song? Oh my goodness! Oh yeah, definitely Snoop. Uh huh. Uh, Tupac, Tupac for sure. I keep doing that. Um, yeah, who do. would I say? I mean, there's so many. I mean, you know, it's I. What else do we know about this population? All right, back to me, and then just go right to the next one here. Go ahead, hit it. Cringe compilation. Well, I mean, listen, I. this is going to sound immodest, but I'm obviously a top-tier candidate. I, too, am extraordinarily humble. Look at my face! Oh, my God, I love it! Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Do you have a favorite band or a favorite musician? I'd say one of my favorites is Bob Marley. Clear that I, I know that there are protests still happening in yeah. major cities across the United States. I'm just not seeing the reporting on it that I that right, I had that's right. for the first few weeks. That's um, right. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. And that's they're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And and everyone beware because they're not going to stop. It is going to. They're not going to stop before election day in November. And they're not going to stop after stop election. Not going to stop. And that should be. Everyone should take note of that on both levels. That All right, back to me and then switch over to that other video. Last one, three oh nine. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern day lynching. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, I want everyone to get the context of this. This is what Kamala Harris tweeted about Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern day lynching. <laughs> no one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront this hate. So back it up just a little bit, Aaron. Play it. Just back it up like 10 seconds or something. I don't even care if it runs into the previous one. Hit it. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the, about uh, saying that it is a modern day lynching that. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> Jesse Smollett. Um. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Washington Examiner. Illegal immigration uh, via the Bongino report. Illegal immigration at Mexican border drops by more than half during the past year. Trump, baby. Trump. Half in a year? See, you put somebody who's not a swamp rat in charge, things actually happen. You put somebody who doesn't actually have a political agenda, like it's not Trump's number one thing in life to stay in office and accumulate Money made like like Nancy Pelosi, like Joe Biden, like numerous others. They came in broke like Barack Obama. When he came into office, he was worth 1.3 million. He's worth 120, 135 million now. Trump had all that before. So you actually put somebody in who's not in it to kiss butts and have people give them money, to accumulate wealth via lobbyists in every other venue possible. You actually have somebody who wants to accomplish things, not just hold on to their office so they can accumulate celebrity and wealth and special treatment as their specific position as the houseboy Republican or houseboy Democrat in the swamp. You actually put somebody in who actually wants, who actually is principled and actually wants to accomplish something. Look what happens. Immigration at the Mexican border drops by more than half in the past year, federal law enforcement blocked fewer than 458,000 immigrants from illegally entering the United States from Mexico over the past fiscal year. Less than half the 1 million people who attempted to cross the border illegally last year, the Trump administration announced Wednesday afternoon. That's the truth. How about Trump, man? That's actual production. Now, this next video is really, really good. And it's entitled... The real reason they want you to hate Donald Trump. Play it for me. Everyone's in on the Great Reset. Well, almost everyone. There's one guy who's got the power to do something to stop it, and you know exactly where I'm going. And they made a mistake. They tried to get Trump on their side, so they invited Donald Trump. 
to Davos, I think a couple of times. But in January, when Donald Trump, I think, really began to see the beast that he was up against, he went to Davos, yeah, to the World Economic Forum, and he stuck a mega finger in their eye. We're committed to conserving the majesty of God's creation and the natural beauty of our world. But to embrace the possibilities of tomorrow, we must reject the perennial prophets of doom and their predictions of the apocalypse. These alarmists always demand the same thing, absolute power to dominate, transform, and control every aspect of our lives. We will never let radical socialists destroy our economy, wreck our country. Two days after Donald Trump gave that speech, the 89-year-old leftist weirdo billionaire George Soros made an emergency intervention where, at Davos once again, warning that the U.S. 2020 election will determine the, quote, fate of the whole world. Now, in the context of Davos, take a look at this one more time. This is a month after Donald Trump addressed Davos and stuck the MAGA finger in their face. Here's what Francis, the Vatican, and Jeffrey Sachs had to say in response. And it is a dangerous country right now. It will be absolutely dangerous if Trump wins re-election. Trump wins re-election. Trump wins re-election. Francis invited this guy to the, to the Amazon Senate as an honored guest and advisor. He's also Bernie Sanders' advisor. What's he doing in the Vatican? Why is this guy who is a promoter for socialist, out and out socialist, Bernie Sanders, what's he doing advising the Pope? Why does he have entree to the Vatican, friends? Sachs supports abortion and contraception, but that's not a problem for the Vatican. For the Vatican, for Pope Francis, and for his friends at the UN, Donald Trump is the problem, obviously, friends. Clearly, I consider the Trump administration a danger to the world, but I regard it as a purely temporary phenomenon that will disappear in 2020. Do you get it? Do you see why there's so much hate for Trump? Because with all of his faults, again, he's the capitalist. He's not the globalist. He never will be one of them, which is why he pulled the United States out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Donald Trump pulled the United States out of the World Health Organization. That's Bill Gates and company. And now he's threatening to pull the United States out of the World Trade Organization. People say, yeah, well, Donald Trump got married twice. He's a bad guy. Really? <laughs> he's right in the face of the demons on this, friends. Nobody ever said he was a saint. He's knocking the sacred cows of the United Nations down all over the world right now. The General Assembly routinely votes 185 against the United States on almost everything right now. And you remember, speaking of the United Nations, in November of 2019, again, right before COVID landed, Trump went to the UN on the floor of the General Assembly, and he declared war on globalism. Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. And shortly after the speech at the UN, Donald Trump delivered, what do you think happened? The coronavirus was unleashed on the world, and Trump's booming U.S. economy went on life support. Do you think that was an accident? Back to me. You shall dare not speak against the World Economic Forum. Lo and behold, 
right after Trump said the most important thing is your own country. That's not what these globalist elites want. They want to depopulate the earth for their own little playground. And lo and behold, when Trump stood up and said, you know what? I'm not going to give in what's the word he used. They always demand absolute power for their own agenda. Trump stood up and said, no, you know what's most important is that you care for your own country. And lo and behold, just a few short weeks, months later, the coronavirus was unleashed on the planet. And people can say whatever they want. Okay, what the motivations were, was it accidental, was it on purpose? It's absolutely a manipulated virus. We know that that's true. S-spike protein gain-of-function research, it is a manipulated virus. It adheres easier to human cells than its own host cells, which is bats. How does that work? Na- a natural evolution? Oh, Really? Basically, every scientist who takes a serious look look at it knows that it's a manipulated virus. But you shall not come against the World Economic Forum or the Great Reset. Whenever you hear those two terms, I'm going to show you a little bit more on this. You hear those two terms, they are in lockstep with one another. They are girlfriend, boyfriend. I don't know which one's the boy and which one's the girl, but they are girlfriend, boyfriend. World Economic Forum, whenever you hear it in Davos, Switzerland, And the Great Reset, they are hand-in-hand. Involved in those things is the UN, the International Monetary Fund. Whenever you hear IMF, they're involved deeply in this also. Now, this is a report out of Sky News on the Great Reset and on the World Economic Forum. Listen to this. I spoke a couple of weeks ago here about the disturbing trend among many of the world's left-wing elites to increasingly conflate COVID-19 with climate change with many going so far as to suggest that all the measures applied to the coronavirus, the lockdowns, the destruction of businesses, the suppression of dissent, curfews, strong-arm police tactics, should become the new normal for dealing with climate change. And indeed, that is precisely what the next World Economic Forum is planning to do, to convince governments, with the help of big business and big tech, to bring about something deeply, deeply sinister called the Great Reset. The what? Precisely, it sounds kind of crazy enough, but it is a program designed to strip us of all our fundamental democratic rights in favor of a new form of society as dictated by the elites. First of all, here's a bit of the official promo ad for the Great Reset.
are lovely. As someone who made ads for many years for a living, let me tell you that that is just about as cliched and vomit-inducing as the most inane corporate ad can possibly be. All right, back but to me, me real quick. See, folks, this is for real. The re Great Reset exists. This is not some sort of... The only example I can use is because everybody accuses them of being such a conspiratist. But this is not some sort of Alex Jones lizard people thing. This is for real. Put it up, Aaron. This is for real. All you got to do is Aaron's already got it. There it is right there. Pull it up for yourself. It's for real. This is not a joke. If you don't believe that biblical prophecy is unfolding before your very eyes, you're choosing to be willfully blind or willfully ignorant or willfully stupid. This is for real, folks. This is the real deal. This is existing right here, right now on the planet. Go to their website, my buddy Aaron, my tech guy, my right-hand man at the church. Pulled it up in two seconds. It's for real. It's absolutely out there. If you need to correlate it with anything, please go to the book of Revelations, chapter 13, 16 through 18. And it's very simple. Mark of the beast. One world order. Having to have a digital tattoo, a digital identity. All these different things are all happening right now. And this is not meant to scare you. The, listen, the book of Revelation is going to happen. But as I preach all the time, my church should probably be nauseated because they've heard this so many times. But James 4, 7 was given to us for a reason. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist in the Greek means to actively fight against. You and I can actively fight against these things, but you need to know that they're out there. How are you going to fight against something that you don't know is even there or that you're claiming is conspiracy theory when it's not? The Great Reset is for real. It is a real thing. It is out there. It has its own website. It's got millions, maybe billions of dollars behind it. It is for real. They're trying to transform the entire global economy into a socialist economy. One that will, of course, not change the economic status of the global elite, but it will. What it will do is turn us into a classic socialist model which is you have the haves and the have-nots with nothing in between, just like every socialist empire there's ever been. Well, you'll have the top advisors being George Soros and Bill Gates, the World Health Organization, the International Monetary Fund, whatever it may be, those will be their number one advisors. That's it. That's, that's, this is for real. Get the next one ready for me, Eric. I know I've distracted you. 627 on the original video. Got it. Play it, brother. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. So we must use all the levers we have at our disposal, knowing that each and every one of us has a vital role to play. Now is the time to think... Here, Prince Charles, a unique but rapidly closing door of opportunity. What's that? What's that unique and rapidly closing door of opportunity? COVID-19. What they want to do is use COVID-19 as a precipice to launch using green ideologies. You know, everything's got to be green technologies, green this, green that, to launch into a socialist 
I don't even like to say socialist utopia because there is no such thing as utopia associated with socialism ever. There's no socialist utopias on the planet. People name Norway and they'll say Switzerland, Sweden. They're not, you know, they're nor, you know, whatever the kind of Norway, whatever they are, you know, these are socialists. They're not, they're more, they're, if you look at their economies, they're more open and capitalistic than the United States has ever dreamed of being. They just tax more. That's all they do. They're not socialist at all. You have full school choice. They tax the poor more than they tax the rich. It's not socialist at all in any of those any of those countries. People say that they want America to be Norway or Sweden or something. But they're going to use green ideologies to usher the world into their socialist utopia. That will be run by the gates of the world, the Soros's of the world, the Prince Charles's, the, the Vatican. There will be the haves with their multi-billions and then the rest of us begging for crumbs. That's always the way socialist, socialized systems turn out 100% of the time. This stuff is for real. There will be a World Economic Forum that's already occurred this year. It will occur next year. They made the mistake of inviting Donald Trump, and Donald Trump went, and Donald Trump says, I'm a nationalist. I am in favor of America. But this great reset is for real. My brother's playing you the videos from them now. I didn't make those up. <clears throat> They're not from me. It's their own website. This is what they want. This is for real. Let's go back to Sky News for the last video. Play it for me. Prince Charles insists all the levers at our disposal must be used to enforce the Great Reset. How on earth that one sentence alone does not disqualify Charles from ever succeeding to the throne is beyond me. He is now not only fully immersed in hardcore left-wing eco-politics, he is advocating some bizarre form of eco-fascism. The Queen must step in and insist he had nothing further to do with this freak show. After all, we are currently seeing in Victoria just what it looks like when all the levers at our disposal are being used to enforce the COVID-19 restrictions, which include curfews, lockdowns, enforced mask wearing, shutting down of businesses, making you stay within five kilometers of your own home, not visiting the dying rellos, and on and on. Remember, it's not me linking COVID to climate change. It is these lunatics, including Charles and the United Nations and the IMF, who want to replicate the global response to COVID and repurpose it for climate change to enforce zero net emissions. Just to remind you, this bloke Schwab is the kingpin of the World Economic Forum, the chief uh, body. Back to me. So I just wanted to put that out there tonight. I want you to know that this stuff is for real. And they're using COVID. They're using it as an open door because basically everybody has come together, locked the entire world down in response to a virus with a 99.9% .9 survival rate. And they're using it as a launching pad to usher in a what quote unquote global response via the World Economic Forum in lockstep with the Great Reset. And every time, I want you to know, every time you strap on a mask, you're supporting these people. You're supporting people. 
that want to take your capitalistic system, flush it down the toilet, and usher in their own socialist utopia. And it's called the Great Reset, and it is for real. It's for real. Trump's going to win, though. Christians, James 4, 7. <laughs> perfect, perfect timing. Trump's going to win. I'm telling you, he's going to win. Go to Poll Watch. Look at the real polls. Don't pay attention to NBC, Rasmussen, Zogby. It's, they're not true. Trump's going to win. Watch, it's going to be glorious November 3rd. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for tonight. I pray your abundance upon each and every person watching in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. I love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday.